Hi, this is Lisa, and we are on episode three of I Love That Movie. So just to introduce myself, if you haven't been uh, listening so far, I'm Lisa, and I am a Texas-based geek. So uh, my number one passion is movies. And what this podcast is, it's not a review. It's not a critique of the movie that we're about to talk about. We're just talking about movies that we love. So the format is each episode I have a guest that picks one of their favorite movies and we just talk about that movie. And I have a, a new guest this week. It is my dad, actually, Tony. Hi, how are you? Good. And Tony, what movie are we discussing this week? Today we're discussing Marathon Man, a movie made in 1976 with Dustin Hoffman and Roy Scheider, and a famous actor, I think he was an Academy Award winner, uh, Laurence Olivier. So I want to start off with a couple quick facts. Uh, Number one, Laurence Olivier was uninsurable at the time of filming due to cancer. His insurance, or Paramount, refused to insure him because he was so sick. Uh, The producer begged a company to insure him, telling them he was the greatest living actor alive. Um, And Olivier did end up getting insured, and then he was back on the film project, and he actually filmed during treatment. So he would do his treatments and then just continued filming. After this point, he went on to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor from this movie role, and he lived an additional 13 years. He was basically considered terminal at the time, but he beat it and lived 13 more years, which I think is really impressive. Uh, Also, Hoffman plays a student in this film, but he was actually 38 at the time, so a little older for a graduate student, Uh, but yeah, he looks kind of young, so he kind of pulled it off. Okay, so I've got a couple quick other facts. Okay, they were. this was directed by John Schlesinger, and then it was written by William Goldman, who also wrote the novel. Now, uh, he was a little upset because the film changes the novel's ending. In the end, Babe was supposed to lead Zell uh, by gunpoint to Central Park and then shoot him a few times, and then throw the diamonds away and just be led away by the police. So the director thought that was, like, I think a little too anticlimactic. And so that's why, I mean, obviously, it's pretty different from how this movie ends. Also, uh, there's a point in the movie, and I kind of held on to it. Whenever uh, Zell is explaining that he has Alexia, did you kind of feel like, I hadn't really heard that term before, so I was reading about it. Um, Alexia, also sometimes called acquired dyslexia, is a brain disorder where you lose the ability to understand written word. It usually happens in adulthood, and you... Uh, lose the ability to read. I just thought it was weird he threw that out there like, I also suffer from Alexia, and I was kind of like, yes, why yes. did he say that? It wasn't very relevant because yeah, it, it, it really didn't go anywhere after that. Yeah, it was kind of a weird part of the movie. I was like, okay. He even said, but I, I'm a, I happen to be a very good listener. And, and, and you know, he, he said he studied words and that he was fascinated by words, but that, yeah, well, that what didn't go that anywhere mean? either. Yeah, yeah, right. I didn't understand that part. Anyway, those are just a couple of random facts that I just noticed uh, when I was watching this movie. Let's kind of bring make it a little more personal on this part. Uh, when did you see the movie The Graduate? Did you see it when it came out that year? I did see it when it came out uh, at the movie theater, but I can't remember where I was exactly because I was in my third year of college so I could have seen it in Florida, Texas, or California because I was in those three states at that time, um, uh, different times, of course. 
but I saw it right away, and it was a pretty big film from what mm-hmm. I can remember. People were yeah. talking about it, especially after the movie The Graduate with Dustin Hoffman. He was he was pretty well known by then. Yeah. So I think it was a, a big movie because of him. And, of course, Laurence Olivier um, was very, very well known. I think he was really the better known because Dustin was yes. younger. Mm-hmm. So he was the better known. And, of course, Roy Scheider was known too, but not not as much. Yeah, I was thinking, when did Jaws come out? Like 1970 or or was it after this movie? Do you know? You know what? I don't know. Steven Spielberg. I feel like he looked younger in Jaws, but I'm not sure. He may have. I, yeah. I have to look that up. I didn't look that up. Um, so I was thinking about this on uh, when I was watching it. And I've thought about this before because when you've talked about your favorite movies, a lot of them tend to have Dustin Hoffman in them, I've noticed. Yes. And I agree with you. I think he's one of the great actors specifically from that era, the 70s, or late 60s, early 70s. Um, oh, and my dad just pulled up. He's he's my fact checker, apparently. Uh, Jaws came out in 1975, so one year before this. So Roy Scheider would have been mm-hmm. fairly well known. Fairly known by this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about, when I was thinking about Dustin Hoffman in this movie, uh, so it was in 1976, and you were born in 1952, so you were, you said third year of college to 24. Yes, that's right. right. That's so right. do you feel like... And maybe I'm reaching here, but I felt like this character, I mean, he's, it seemed like they were from a smaller town and he moved to New York and he's in college and literally you went from McAllen to Miami, small to bigger town in college. I mean, did you feel like you kind of connected with this character a little bit? Is, do you think that was part of the draw for you? I think I connected with him, but maybe not specifically because of that. Okay. Um, I think I connected with him because he was young, and um, I don't know how old Dustin is now, but we're about we're close in age. Well, he he was thirty eight then, and you were twenty four, so he was okay. he was about fourteen years older. But he than looks you. like a college kid. He did. He looked young. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was in college at the time, but I I just liked his acting. You know, I liked him in Midnight Cowboy. I liked him in. Um, the graduate and he was just an up and coming really great actor. Yeah, he was probably just, you know, the the big guy at the time too in the seventies, like, you know, right now it would be I don't know, uh Matthew McConnell. M- yeah, Matthew McConaughey, pretty big. <laughs> yeah, Matthew one. McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the nineteen seventy six film Marathon Man. Thomas Babe Levy, Dustin Hoffman, is a Columbia graduate student and long-distance runner who is oblivious to the fact that his older brother, Doc, Roy Scheider, is a government agent chasing down a Nazi war criminal, Laurence Olivier. That is, until Doc is murdered and Babe finds himself knee-deep in a tangle of stolen gems and sadistic men, even his girlfriend Elsa, Marth Keller, becomes a suspect as everything Babe believed to be true is turned upside down. So, that's the plot. (laughs) Um, So, the director of this movie was John Schlesinger, and he had also previously directed Midnight Cowboy. I did read that Dustin Hoffman was not interested in the uh, novel written by William Goldman, but he was excited to work with Schlesinger again, and so he chose to because of that. Um, And I don't have a ton more information on him, so I think... And you said you don't either? I had not heard, uh, not on the director, but on Dustin Hoffman, that he wasn't particularly interested in that. I thought he was just because of who he is. You know, he's a Jewish man. He's a Jewish actor. And I thought that that would have special meaning for him. But it turns out uh, that it really didn't. You know, I loved Midnight Cowboy. I mean, 
that was the other movie we were talking about doing. I didn't even realize we'll it was the same do, director. We'll have to do that one next. Yeah, I like that one. Maybe a little bit more than this movie. Maybe. Really? I think so, because I think Midnight Cowboy uh, stylistically was very striking, visually striking. And uh, the concepts and themes that they were delving into i think we're a little deeper this is more of a suspense thriller i think that this movie kind of has some I, I i was reading about like a few plot holes that if you think too hard you're like what and you can yeah. kind of look over them because of the genre but it's not as deep as midnight cowboy but it's still really good i mean it's it's great okay uh go ahead one thing about dustin hoffman that i had heard and i i don't know my facts here completely but i do i did hear this that during the filming of this movie, when when he was being tortured by the notorious um, uh, German Nazi Zell, yeah, yeah Zell, uh, he purposely did not sleep for two or three days so that he you would look awfully bad. Yeah, and and, and uh, Laurence Olivier was known to have told him, "Why don't you just act?" Yeah, I actually fact checked this. Okay. I, I looked at a couple sources, and they said he claims Dustin Hoffman, of course. Maybe he would want to admit to that. I don't know. But his claim was that he actually was just really tired because he was going through a really rough divorce mm. at the time. And he had been partying a lot. Wow. And that was why he looked rough, supposedly. But he could be trying to save face. We don't know, right? We don't know. Yeah. This is true. So we kind of already touched on Dustin Hoffman. We talked about him a lot. But I wanted to throw out just a few quick facts about him as well. Um, when I think of Dustin Hoffman, I think of Tootsie, Midnight Cowboy, The Graduate, Rain Man. Um, he's been in a lot of great films. He's the only actor to have top billing in three films that won for Best Picture. And those films were Midnight Cowboy, Kramer vs. Kramer, and The French Connection. I think younger fans probably remember Dustin Hoffman the most from his role in Hook as Captain Hook. <laughs> uh, but he has uh, been in eight films that were nominated for Best Picture total. So, really impressive career. So, we talked about Dustin Hoffman, and I wanted to discuss Roy Scheider, too. Um, you know, when I think of him, I, I automatically think of Jaws and all that jazz. Um, he was in three nominated Best Picture movies. That, were, that was The French Connection, Jaws, All That Jazz. I think that's it, those three. The French Connection, Jaws, and all that jazz. He was also an amateur boxer. <laughs> oh. Random note. Yeah. But um, I really, really love that movie, All That Jazz. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that, I'm not sure how long ago I saw it. Uh, I think I bought like a, DV, like a DVD from Walmart that had like four musicals on it. I was like, I'm going to give musicals a chance because that's kind of out of my wheelhouse. And All That Jazz reminded me of like... If Darren Aronofsky wrote a musical, it would look like this. It was, like, very dark. It even had scenes that remind me of, like, Requiem for a Dream, and it's surreal. Okay, so Laurence Olivier. So this is another case of, you know, Dustin Hoffman. I'm really familiar with his work, but I think a lot of that is because of you. Um, I am even less familiar with Laurence Olivier, which is kind of sad when you look back. Like, when I was reading about him, uh, he was in Hamlet. Uh, in 1948, which was the only Shakespearean play to win Oscar for Best Picture to this day. Wow. And Best Actor. Um, he's been nominated 13 times by mm -hmm. the Academy. He won nine times for Best Actor, wow. one time for Supporting Actor, and one time for Director. I mean, this guy amazing. was literally amazing, a legend, like yeah. incredible. And he's just so far beyond my 
you know, what I remember from movies that I, I don't even know who he is. You know, I know the name. Like, when I hear Laurence Olivier, I mean, that's a really, a name that I am familiar with in that I've heard it, but I, don't, I didn't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. What about you? I, I knew something about him, but not at the time the movie came out. Okay, so yeah, it was I, I kind of... Yeah, I guess like 1948. It was before I was born. <laughs> yeah. And, he, you know, I knew names like Cary Grant, Rock yeah. Hudson, you know, Elizabeth Taylor. Mm-hmm. And Laurence Olivier was a name, but I really couldn't connect him with anything at the time. It was after that that I learned more and more about him. Okay, okay. So this was your introduction to him as well then? Pretty much. Yeah. I think that that, that story about him getting cancer and then you know, filming this movie while he's in treatment and then getting nominated. You know, I bet he didn't expect that to happen, to get nominated for an Oscar and then live 13 more years. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. He was lucky. He apparently beat the cancer for, for that many years. Yeah, it's pretty survived. pretty incredible. Uh, it does make me want to go back and watch, you know, Hamlet now. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to go back. When I see things like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out. Apparently, on the, I even read somewhere it said, like, he was the greatest actor of, you know, his generation or even now you know so it, it really makes me want to go back and you know who i think of him as uh, a modern day Laurence olivier is anthony hopkins yeah okay anthony i think hopkins that's a really good analogy fits yeah. that profile that he he's shakespearean yes yeah very british he's a he's a newer actor for us oh and he was also knighted uh, they, oh, there <laughs> they you were go. both knighted so there you wow. go wow <laughs> and, and yeah but that's I, I think of i think of anthony hopkins when i think of Laurence olivier Okay, that that makes sense. Bill. I have a question about that, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a little while as to what his. And I've always wondered about that. You know how you remember certain lines from mm-hmm. movies, and I never really knew what it meant. I it sh- I should have, but it's the line: "Is it safe?" Yeah. What did so that really mean? That's the well, most memorable quotable line. Oh, yes. we can talk about it. Uh, is okay. it safe? Is it, is safe? it safe? Well, okay, so I guess diving into the plot a little bit. So Roy Scheider, you know, he tells Dustin Hoffman that he is an oil in the oil industry, and he really isn't. Instead, he's working for this government, uh, outside of the government agency. He's not the FBI, he's not the CIA. He, like, does their dirty work. And apparently, Yeah, it's a group of people that does that. Yeah, yeah, black ops. So um, he, in the very beginning of the movie, almost gets killed because he has something with him. Is that what he was talking about? What? I don't how know. does that connect to? Do we ever hear Roy say, "Is it safe?" Or it's not safe? I don't know. I don't. I didn't pick that up, and I think I've I always need to wondered do some about more that. Research, but I, I figured too, it was some sort of code that he should have gotten from his brother. Yeah, like, well, that that was it. His brother died, and he was like, "Why would your brother come all the way here, crawl all the way to you, and just die and not say anything?" He must have said something, and the problem is. He did try to say something. Dustin Hoffman doesn't know what it is. Right. So he, he keeps he saying, is it safe? Enough. Because he's trying to find out what it was he told him. Exactly. Think, well, yeah. okay. Then we'll, we'll go with that for now because I don't have a better explanation of that. Yeah. I still don't know. I, I think that's just one of those things where there's some things in this movie that aren't ever fully fleshed out or explained. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, you were wanting to kind of go back and discuss a little bit about the plot. So go ahead. Yes. I'd like to, I'd like to talk about this part because... What do you think that that organization was supposed to be? They called themselves couriers, and they delivered everything. But yeah. really, it had a more sinister... Um, it was shady. I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it was like what they were doing was kind of shady. Yeah. It was like they weren't really aligned to any particular side almost. 
Mm-hmm. They did dirty work of either side. And yeah. I think that's why they, they lacked loyalty. It was easy to turn on each other. And his brother knew that, you know, especially towards the end. What about the, the, the man, the French man that he meets at the antique store? He comes over and mm. he's supposed to deliver something. And I thought that he had delivered the key inside the box of chocolates. Yes. And I think that was the is it safe thing again. Yeah. yeah. But wh- did he deliver that key? I think so. Okay. So where did the key end up? Well, I don't know. I guess they needed two of them, and one was already there. Well, because apparently uh, uh, Laurence Olivier or uh, Zell already had a key because he goes in and gets the diamonds. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if we keep digging into this plot, there's some plot holes. There's, yes, <laughs> maybe there's, we there's something missing. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll let that go because the movie was <laughs> maybe, so good. Maybe one of you out there can, uh, can enlighten us. <laughs> yeah, how did they get the key from the dead brother? That's and, never explained. <laughs> and the, if... if, if um, Why would it be back in Europe where Roy is? Yeah, and then if Doc delivered the key in the Band-Aid box, inside yeah. the chocolate box, to the Frenchman who was assassinated, how did Laurence Olivier or Zell end up getting that key? They don't tell us how he got the key. But he had a key. Yeah, I don't know, but... <laughs> okay. Now, let's talk about the girlfriend, um, Opal, Miss Opal, or uh, what was her name? Elsa. Elsa, yeah. Elsa turned out to be a German girl that was also a courier and uh, was on the dark side. And she really was after um, Babe. I think that they they were sort of implying that she was a little too good for him, a little out of his league, right? Yes, she was a little bit But it was weird because he really pursued her so aggressively. He liked her. Yeah, but it was like, if he hadn't done that, how would they have connected? Because he was the one being so forward, not her. Right. What did you think of the scene where where um, Doc ousts uh, Elsa at the restaurant? Yeah, I think it's like a liar can see a liar from a mile away. Like, right away, he knew she was lying, that she was German. I don't think any of it was a mystery to him. She, he, and he she was playing Danish. it from an angle like, oh, I'm trying to steal you away from my brother. And I think that's what Dustin Hoffman thought. But then he flipped the questions on her and goes, I know you're a liar. Well, of course he knows she's a liar. He's a liar. You yes, know? yes. But, you know, when, when the very first time I saw that, because when you don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you just think, what a terrible jerk. You know? No, I, like, right away was like, there's something up with that. I mean, because I knew he had that spy background. He's a spy or something. I figured this is a play he's doing. He, okay. He's, par- he's so paranoid. The second he gets off that plane, and even, like, when he first talks to a Babe, uh... He tells him, like, I lo-, you know, he goes, I want to say something. And he's like, what? And he's like, I'm so glad I'm here. Whatever he says, I'm glad to see you. And he goes, Sincerely. I'm glad to see you. And it was like, they had a very contentious relationship. But then he got so real. And it was, I think that was a, the plant of an idea of, like, he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And so when they're at the restaurant and he sees this girl and then he starts questioning her, I think it's, he's seeing everybody as out to get him. And he's right. He is. He, right. You know, everyone is out to get him. From the beginning to the end, somebody was trying to kill him, and, and they yeah, did kill him. Yeah, and they do kill him, and then they go after his brother. Would have been nice if he had kind of clued his brother in on all this, <laughs> so it yeah. didn't have to be such a big surprise. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, one thing that, that, that really disturbs me, even to this day, as many times as I've watched this oh, movie, I know what you're gonna say. is the stabbing scene where, where um, Zell murders uh, Doc in the yeah. park. That, it, 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 of course, to his credit, Roy Scheider is a very, very good actor. Yeah. 
but you can see the pain being inflicted and him and I think that scene took way too long for him to die and I did not appreciate it. It's a little over dramatic. Yes. I it also was well when he done. crawls to his brother's house and yeah. oh it's so dis- it's just disturbing. And then he doesn't get to tell him. You know, for the longest time I thought that he did tell him. Really? You thought he was just that good at holding a secret? Like, yes. Kind of that, like a runs in the family kind of thing. And he wouldn't he wouldn't tell because he suspected babe that is that if he did tell then he, those the bad guys would win. Yeah. But I, I at this time around I listened very carefully and I don't think he no, got no. lived long I think that's what them. the irony was when he was being tortured is like there's literally most of the movie Dustin Hoffman is being followed or looked at and eventually attacked and kidnapped and he has no idea what's going on and you as the audience have a little more information than he does but not much. I have a question for you. Yeah. Why did you feel, how did you, what did you think of the torture uh, segment where you have this old Nazi doctor and he's torturing this young student using dental instruments and um, that to me, it was very painful. You know, I never thought of uh, dentistry as being tools of torture, but of course a lot of people do. A lot of people, I think, (laughs) uh, have a big fear of the dentist. But I think that part was brilliant because they could have shown a really gory torture scene. And I don't think it would have been anywhere near as effective. So it kind of reminded me of in the movie Black Swan. There's some really disturbing scenes that involve getting hurt, like where Natalie Portman is pulling the skin on her fingernail or getting cut or doing things that are really specific. And it's like, I think what's scary and painful about that scene is it's it's possible you've been to the dentist like if I see a waterboarding scene I mean that's awful but I don't know what that's like Uh, if I see someone's head get chopped off or someone's arm get chopped off it's gruesome but it's not relatable the dentist thing is relatable and that's what makes (laughs) it so horrifying and I think also you when you hear the sound of the drill and then you don't see it and you just hear the scream I think that makes it more real and I like it better when directors do that when they use psychological terror over just showing you gratuitous horror or gore you know yeah 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 I think that that's an iconic scene and it's stick even today like even when I first saw it you know I'm seeing this movie way later obviously I wasn't even alive in 1976 but I'm positive it disturbed me as much as it did you i mean as much as i you could show me saw and i feel like i would be less affected (laughs) from the scene with the drill is just horrific at the time we didn't have as bad horror films and if we did i didn't see but like i said i you know you can get jaded with all of them but with this i mean it's fresh like even now it's like Mm -hmm. it's just as disturbing i think what else were you uh, another uh, point that I uh, noticed was when Babe is is uh, kidnapped, yeah, and is being tortured, and then he escapes. Okay, oh, it's he, such he a terrible scene because it's like <laughs> he escapes, but then he's running. Of course, he's been drugged, he's been beaten up, yeah. he's been tortured. Now he's running, but you remember he's the marathon man. Yeah, he so has endurance. Like, he's gonna get away. He's gonna be fine, and then he he ends up right back. He, yes. Well, the first oh, time the first he's time. a bad. Okay, I'm thinking of the first time. Yeah. No, the first the time. The second yeah, time, he's... his marathon running, it, it pays off. Right? Yeah, because That's the, how he gets away. The, the the phony friend, who's really after the diamonds himself, yeah. uh, kidnaps him, saves him, so to speak, and then he brings him right back, 
and it turns out he didn't shoot those guys or he didn't kill them. It was just a ploy to try to get him to say the truth yet again one more time. And he yes. says, I don't think he knows anything. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. And so, but the second time when he gets away, I like when he jumps from one freeway to another yes, freeway. Yes, I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> yes, it was because he actually manages to get away from the, these killers. Yeah, it's like how, yeah, it was It was good. That was a good scene. Yeah. An interesting point too is that he ends up killing those two killers. Well, he ends up being the cause of the death of all three of those guys. They pushed him over the edge, those two guys, because mm-hmm. they're the same guys that, that, that mugged, mugged them, them in, the in the park. That's right. right. That's right. Which I was like, why did why did that happen? Like, I guess to make him look like a hero. I, or were they mugging him in the park to make their relationship seem closer between him and that girl? I, I never understood why they did that. Or yeah. were they just after his ID? Like, I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe they were just seeing if he had the box. What was the reason for the mugging? Yeah, yeah I don't that. know. But after that mugging happens, he tells his brother in a letter, I've never thought about fighting anybody. I've always been passive. But today I thought if I found them, I would kill them. He says he can imagine himself killing someone and then it, in the movie he does. Yes. So that was that was prophetic. I feel like when that scene came up, I thought, oh, he's going to kill someone later or he wouldn't be saying that now. And I guess that was also a drawback to, like, his um, his brother called him a pacifist, too, right? Yes, yes, he did. Okay, so we're going to dive into the ending. Go ahead. At the end, um, you know, in the in the big house, yeah. you know, there's that shootout. He, he gets to get away. Okay, he gets, to, he gets to run out of that house after everybody else in there is killed. Yeah. Literally. Uh, Elsa. Well, she, she gets him when he's unconscious, puts him in that car, and then they wake up there, right? Or how did... No, no, no. He calls her to meet him at 50, 54th oh, that's Street right. and uh, somewhere. And she picks him up, and then she drives him somewhere. And, of course, he probably does fall asleep all the way to the house. Yeah, because when they get is. there, it's daytime. And she yeah, picked him up at night. and then he's like, uh-oh, where are we? Yeah, and, he, and that's when like, he starts Ugh. figuring things out. It's like, whose house is this? You know, you're a student. You're a foreign student from somewhere else. Why well, do you have a house? Yeah, now? and she says, oh, it's, it's my friend uh, at the sorority. But he figures she's lying. And then finally he says, this is Elle's house. And she says, she admits it's it's his brother's. So they're there. They have that interaction. The bad guys come, all three guys come in. They have this, it leads up to a head and he, but he finds out where Zell is. And that's what he wants to know. He wants to get to Zell because yeah. he wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. And so he finds out where he is. Everybody ends up getting shot. And then he goes over to the plant the, where where they end up in that's this a, plant. That's a great scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. And uh, the, the place is, is, is inconsequential. It just happened to be a room that where they could be alone for about setup, 30 like, minutes. Yes. For an epic fall, for an epic standoff. Yeah. Yeah, there's water. Yeah. There's, there's the stairs. He's it's got industrial. the gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's industrial. He's got the gun. Um, the Nazi old guy is uh, is is vulnerable, mm-hmm. and so but but you could tell he's he's vulnerable to a point because this is the same guy that murdered his brother uh, at a, at an opportune moment, and he's planning on doing the same with yeah. Babe. Mm-hmm. He so, even tells him that. I was surprised the first time I saw it that Babe said to him, "Eat him." He said, "You can I have them. You can have them as you can have as many as you can eat." Now here's my question: When you eat a diamond. I feel does like it, it cuts you up. Does it yeah, cut I feel like you it's all like, the way through. It's like a I'm gonna torture you now kind of thing. And okay. also, you know, a metaphor of like, oh, you want them so bad, eat them. You know. Yes, yes, I thought about that, but um, 
again, back to the diamond. When you eat a diamond, is it like eating glass? That's what I think. Aren't they smooth, sure. though? Don't they have a smooth, refined... I mean, refined... They're, they're cut, you know, yeah. in patterns, so... Because, like, you could eat a bunch of marbles and not cut yourself, right? No, but I feel like a diamond, <laughs> I mean, I do think that that would... That they would cut you, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a question I have. Now, I don't want to find out personally, yeah. but I'd like to hear about it. Yeah, okay, out there, if I eat a diamond... <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Does it, does it tear up my guts? Well, you kind of you kind of skipped over the scene. I don't know if this is jumping back too far, but another great scene in this movie is that scene where he goes in to get the diamonds. And there's like, I feel like there's a theme this whole movie. Just the neighborhood that they're in, everywhere that they go, there are Jewish people everywhere. Yes, and New York, rabbis. New York City. Yeah, and and even you know, obviously in the diamond shop. In the too. diamond district. Uh, yeah, and it's all sort of like a, you know, it, it's intentional. Yes, yes, he's in danger. He is going into the... Um, the tables have turned on him. Absolutely. Yeah. He's going to the, 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 uh, the nest the um, where, where the, all the bees are and they could yeah, all bite you. Yeah, exactly. And, but he's got to go there. The tension, he doesn't trust anybody. Yeah, the tension, the suspense in that scene is so good. And then that woman, when he leaves, she's like, that's him. I know that man. Yeah. And, and he goes in there and he tries to price a diamond to see how much they're worth because he's about to cash in, yeah. retire again, so, but this time in great luxury. And so, yeah, that, that was a great scene. But no, you didn't yeah. go back too far. And then, and then also when he kills that guy with that knife in his oh, sleeve, yeah. it's like, I don't know, just a callback to him being, you know. A, being who he is. Who he is, who he really is. Yeah, a, Nazi a, a killer, an executioner. Yes. And it was just an, a really good scene. I thought it was just, it was unexpected. He's just like, oh, someone help this man, you know. Exactly. Anyway, go, go. He, was, he was a good actor. Oh, at, yeah. At the moment, as mm -hmm. Zell. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we go back to the scene where he, where where Dustin Hoffman, babe, has the diamonds. He's got a gun on Zell, mm -hmm. and Zell says, uh, uh, you know, he, he puts the diamonds down and shows him, trying to get him to get close and look so he could stab him. But he, but the the thing about um, Babe is that he he is not materialistic. He doesn't care. You can tell that he really doesn't care about the money, the diamonds. Yeah. Even to the very end, because he doesn't keep anything. Right, that's what he has on the villain in the movie, is that his motivation is so much stronger than mon money. Yeah. And really, it seems like that's all he was motivated by, the bad guy. The ba so yes. that makes him a little easier to defeat, I think, in the end. Yes, because When he doesn't babe, have all the power, and it's just the two of them, he doesn't have an upper hand. Babe is, is not there to get the diamonds, like his brother. His brother would have taken the diamonds. Yeah. So he's not going to be tempted by something that he doesn't care about. Mm -hmm. So he, he he tells him, of course, you eat them. And then the German starts to eat them. Mm -hmm. But then he realizes he's, you know, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And that's when I wondered, when you eat them, are they painful? I you know? think so. So, but, but, but so anyway, the confrontation. And it's degrading. Yeah. Yeah, it was degrading. So it was a matter of pride. But it was also, uh, I thought, a matter of if I eat a bunch of these. Yeah. yeah is he going to shoot me anyway? Yeah. So he doesn't eat him. And then, of course, the ironic thing, and I thought it was very clever of Babe to, when he couldn't defend himself any other way because he drops the gun, he takes a diamond and he throws them knowing that this old German Nazi is going to chase after them. Yeah. And he does. And he and ironically ends up stabbing himself with his own weapon. And it's, to me, at that very moment, it was such a moment of triumph. Such yeah. a poetic justice has just happened. So after the death of Zell by his own hand if you will he falls yeah, on the sword yeah his own greed yes yeah. unwillingly unintentionally uh the ending is very interesting because babe doesn't doesn't um keep any of the remaining diamonds he could 
And he I could feel like he went handful. to prison because he murdered somebody. Well, <laughs> he killed a, he killed uh, Roy's friend. He who, did he kill anybody else directly? No. No. Okay. But so I'm he just shot saying, that like, guy. In real life, there would be an investigation, and he would be in, in prison too. Yeah. I but, don't think that guy being a Nazi. I mean, he'd have to prove. You know what I mean? Yes, but but what he does, he throws the gun away, and I'm not sure but why. But that other he guy throws... saw him. Remember that other guy? He's like, get out of here. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There was a so, witness. So, I mean, like, there's a witness. I don't the know. But go go ahead. I think like, this is an, a thing about, like, thinking too much <laughs> about it. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be a good ending for him, really. But let's let's go with the ending the movie gives us. Yes. He, so, so he takes... He, he leaves the place. He doesn't take any of the diamonds. He goes jogging, which is, of course, a natural thing for him to do. I think yeah. that's the way he could relieve stress and such. And then he throws the gun away because I think the gun doesn't mean that much anymore to him remember, remember that doc asked him why did you keep the gun and he says i don't know i think he kept it because it was the tool that killed his father he always thought it was a self-inflicted oh wound. i didn't make that connection yes and then now it's all over he's killed the bad guy the guy that was responsible for killing his brother and possibly, and possibly his father, his father. Yeah. and so he throws the gun away into the river because it's over but, yeah. but he doesn't have a handful or a pocket full of diamonds. To him, it is over. Yeah. And maybe he can really move on now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Okay, so we're kind of wrapping up here. Uh, why do you recommend Marathon Man? Why, why do you like it so much? What is it about this movie that's made you watch it several times? I like it because of the cin- cinematography. The, yeah. Uh, the way it is pictured... The way it is shown. And then the symbolism. They don't come out and tell you anything. Mm-hmm. They don't give you anything. They let you put it together. In fact, a little too much so. A little, yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, you see this old German um, ex-Nazi. who uh, You don't know that. A lot of it feels unconnected in the beginning. Yes. But yes. it takes a long time to get there. And I feel like every time I watch the movie, I kind of forget like how long it takes. And Nick, when I was watching it with him last night, he was kind of like... Uh, where, what is this adding up to? <laughs> where I was are like, we going here? I know. I feel like yeah. you could almost, like a modern day viewer would be tempted to, to check out and say, yes. oh, this is an old movie. It's slow. I'm going to leave. But it, it's crazy how suspenseful it gets after that. <laughs> yes, because it, it when these two men who seem to have nothing to do with anything except a temper tantrum, a, what do you call it nowadays? A uh, road. Road rage. Ro- road rage. Yeah. You know, ends up in their death. But one's German, one's Jew, so that's a very good clue. And yeah. then at the end, it, it really is all about them. It's about a German, a Jew, Nazis and Jews, yeah. the Holocaust. It's and I mean, the Holocaust that. had only been, I mean, since 1976, so then that was only like 30 years ago, which is yes. kind of crazy for, I think, modern listeners to think about. It was recent. That leads me there... to the answer I want to give you about oh, why yeah. would I ask somebody to watch this movie? Yeah. Why do you think this movie is, is, is like a, a chapter in history that you really have to know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like because all those diamonds. What, what, what was the money that bought the diamonds? It was all from Jewish. They were stolen teeth. from Jewish. They were stolen people. from Jewish teeth. Oh. Not the diamonds themselves, but the gold. And remember okay. that Zell is a dentist. Yeah, you're he right. He was responsible. He was extracting their yes. teeth. Yes. And he was extracting the gold before they went into the death chamber. They took Ugh. all that gold, they converted it into diamonds for transport purposes and now here many years later 20 30 years later he's wanting to pick them up but who stops him a Jewish marathon man Dustin Hoffman yeah I, I think that that's you know the further we get away from World War two and the Holocaust um, it, it's hard to 
picture that. Like, I read one review where somebody was criticizing that first scene. They were like, what's going on? Just randomly this angry Jewish guy and this German guy. And I was like, no, it that had just happened. It's like that was over and, th- and then here they are having to stand side by side and act like, okay, we're civil now. That's over. But how do you do that? Especially people that age, the age of those two men, the mm-hmm. Nazi and, and, you know, the, the Jewish man they were specifically in that time period. They're yes. not young people in the 70s that are starting to forget. They're older, you know? There were people that still had tattoos on their arms. Yeah. You have to remember that after the war and during this time, um, this is like the the residual effects of the war. Right. And, These... and Dustin Hoffman is the generation. The, he This isn't really in his memory that much. Like, he's heard of it. He's culturally aware of it. But he's living after that. He's living. Know? He has lived through the sixties. Yeah. Now he's in the seventies. It's getting further and further away from and then, him. And then this experience ties him back to all that again. Brings it all back to 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 where his brother has probably always been living. Exactly. His brother sees life differently than he got to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. You know. I agree with you on on all those counts. I think. You know, like Midnight Cowboy, I really appreciate uh, the shots. There's a lot of shots that really stick out in my mind uh, when I think about this movie. They have a lot of impact, and I think that's why, you know, it stays a classic. I read some people calling it an overrated classic, and mm-hmm. I, I disagree. I think that it, you know, again, I don't think it's as good as Midnight Cowboy, but that being said, it's still a great movie. I think the suspense thriller part of it really... Um, excites me, really makes me want to go back and watch. I think that the 70s was a real, and I want to see if you agree with this, I think the 70s was a real actor's time. Like, I feel like a lot of movies in the 70s, the focus was on the dialogue and the actors more than just, I don't know, the plot or or how it looked sometimes. Sometimes I felt like that took over. Like, there would be a lot of long monologues and a lot of dialogue. What do you think? Yes, yes. It was a time where they gave the actor time to go through his dialogue and it seems like they discovered cinematography in the 70s yeah yeah <laughs> i mean they've always had filming yeah but now they had cinematography. artistic and I, I think you're right because so. a lot of the movies that i really like that i when i think about the cinematography would be you know actually jaws would mm-hmm. be one of them because uh midnight cowboy yeah midnight cowboy yeah what other movie? Uh, Kubrick films like uh, yes, Kubrick. Was, uh, was which I guess was technically 1980, but filmed in 19. I mean, it was coming out of the 70s, and mm-hmm. I can't remember when Full Metal Jacket was. If that was the 80s or the 70s, but yeah, a lot of a lot of that, a lot of very visual, artistic stuff. Yeah, I, I guess. What about I, The Shining? When was when was that? That was 1980. So okay. filmed in the 70s. Okay. Yeah, in yeah. Kubrick, like you said. I think that's another one we should talk about because that would be my favorite pick. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to talk to. Yeah. About that. But I guess I would say to someone my age, or I guess anybody that hasn't seen this movie before, um, I think you're going to be surprised. It does have a slow start, but it's building to a big climax, and uh, it goes from lots of little hidden clues to. Uh, you know, the action just ramps up in the third act and ends in a big way. And I don't know, I've watched it several times because it's really exciting and, and thrilling, you know? Well, for, for, the, for the fan of movies, for the movie fan yeah, who, who enjoys watching yeah, something that is more than the ordinary, his challenge is to figure this film out. Figure yeah. out, put all the clues together, 
put it, figure it out, and then at the end you will be very satisfied because it gives you so much and doesn't tell you outright what's going on. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, okay, that that would be another really big reason why I like it because there's a lot of clues, but it's not easy to put together and the movie does put it together and answers most of the questions mm -hmm. in a pretty satisfying way. I'll watch over and over again. I really like this movie. I so. will too. Okay, good. Well, thank you for... Thank for, you. Yeah, and hopefully we'll we'll do another one soon. Great. Okay, bye. I look forward to it. <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. I really like this movie a lot, and I've seen it, I think, three or four times, and I kind of figure out something new about it every time I see it, which is what's really fun about returning to a movie. It was great talking to my dad and getting his feedback and kind of researching this movie and learning more about it. I just really enjoyed it. It's fun to just gush and talk about things that we love, right? So I'm so happy that you guys are on this journey with me. I've been getting such amazing feedback from so many of my friends and some of you out there. I really appreciate it. I was also wondering if you could do me a favor and leave me a positive review on iTunes. Uh, when you leave a review on iTunes, it helps other people find the podcast. And plus, it's just great getting your feedback. To give back, when you guys hit 25, when I get 25 good reviews, I'm going to do a giveaway. And I'm going to give away a... $20 gift card either to Alamo or to Cinemark or whatever movie theater is closest to you as a way of saying thanks. Um, really appreciate it. I totally got this idea from DC Suicide Squadcast. Shout out. So you guys should go over and listen to them. If you like this and how positive it is, definitely influenced greatly by their podcast. So please give them a listen. Again, that's DC Suicide Squadcast. And if you want to reach out to me, you can also reach me on Twitter at AYA Lisa Cosplay. Um, again, just reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you guys. Hoping to set up a Facebook and some other methods to kind of communicate with you guys soon. Uh, thanks again. I can't wait to do our next episode. Um, I will put on Twitter what it's going to be about to kind of give you guys an opportunity to watch the movie. See you guys next week.